The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, good morning, Refuge Church. So good to be here with you. We are in the middle of Lent, Lenten season, and that means we get to consider some hard things. And we'll just talk through this. It'll it'll uh, get better in time. We just want you to experience the fullness of Lent by having to listen to feedback. <clears throat> that sharp ringing in your ears. Lenten season is this long preparation towards Easter, where where every year. For those who, who want to participate, <clears throat> you get to think a lot about um, that final day here on earth for you, for us, and preparation for life to come as we celebrate Easter. Um, as we approach Easter, there's a couple things I want to get on your radar, and <clears throat> it's a, it can be a really busy week. We have Good Friday, and we have Easter, which is April 7th and April 9th. April, uh, that would be the 6th, we're going to join Crossroads for those who would like in a, a Passover meal. And it's not, if you've done a Passover meal before, um, it can be uh, something that you, you leave and you just want to go get uh, maybe Dairy Queen or something because, you know, you, you just have, a, it's, it's long, but it also is just these like you nibble kind of the whole time and then you like, you have the bitter herbs and it never... So this is going to be sort of potluck style while we talk through um, the Passover, also just looking at the work of Christ in it. So I'll get you more information, but if you'd like to be a part of that, put that on your schedule for that Thursday before Good Friday. So if you're, you're with us that Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday, it's going to be a full week together, um, and we'll just see if we get tired of one another or not, you know? Uh, it's a good, good experiment. Uh, also, we have a couple people... That was a joke. I don't think we'll get tired of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Easter Sunday, we have uh, two baptisms. And uh, if you uh, have committed your life to following Jesus, if you profess faith in him and you haven't been baptized yet, we, we invite you to be baptized Easter Sunday. And you can talk to me about that. Um, so, so consider that. I mean, you could even just shoot me an email or grab me after the service and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Uh, can you tell me more of what that means? And I'd be happy to do that. So something to look forward to. <clears throat> With that, let's pray. And I want to pray specifically today. Usually we do a prayer of confession. And I, I want to focus our hearts in preparation for the text on praying for the oppressed. And so I'm just going to give you a little bit of time to um, think of someone who's oppressed that could be someone you don't know you just and you you've read about um you know people coming into the country and and essentially getting into indentured servitude and i mean you just know that happens and you're thinking it's on your heart and you want to you want to pray for them or it even could be yourself you're feeling oppressed you're feeling that a power out there whether it's spiritual or even somebody you can name uh is kind of has claimed authority in your life that's harmful to you if that's the case, I just want to give you time to bring that before God, whether it's for somebody else or for yourself, and I'll pray first and we'll get into the text. So go ahead and pray and I'll pray in a minute. 
Father, it's good to bring our pain and feeling of powerlessness we feel uh, for ourselves or even for others. It's good to bring that to you. We trust you with it. Not always knowing how you will work or understanding your ways, but seeing the scripture and understanding your heart. That is taking back what the enemy has stolen and giving life, life more abundantly than we could ever imagine. And I pray that you will heal us and help us today to see you as our Savior, the victor, and how we can go and help others experience that freedom also. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Wouldn't it be nice to have a wise teacher who could help you understand what is most important in life? <laughs> This is what you find in the book of Ecclesiastes. In this sermon series, you'll receive a hard-hitting, uncensored, deeply thoughtful look at life, death, and everything else. The teacher takes us from the lowest despair to the firm foundation of a life built on God's commands. We really felt the need for this collectively, even though we weren't always together during the pandemic, right? <clears throat> There were so many questions we just didn't know how to answer. I, <laughs> I was uh, remembering, um, you know, just how even as a church gathering, we, we just didn't know how to do that safe and best. And looking back, there's probably things we did well, and I know there's things we didn't do well in figuring our way forward. But it was a time of kind of collective oppression in a way, <clears throat> not necessarily oppression from outside, even though we kind of wanted to say, you know, name it, um, but this experience where there was so much tension, so much weight on each person, and during that time, I remember hearing a lot of people saying, I'm done reading the news. <clears throat> maybe you said that, maybe you've heard a friend. I guarantee you everyone either said that or heard somebody say that. I'm just, done. I can't hear anymore, and it wasn't necessarily because <clears throat> the news was reporting from this perspective or that because you can always find your perspective. But it was just that you were done hearing about the problems in the world. You couldn't, with everything you had going on, you couldn't take on more. There was so much unrest, so much violence, so much disagreement, so much name calling. I know this is almost putting a weight on you to remember that. <clears throat> And we kind of took, many of us, or wanted to, a passive stance. The stance of, why can't we just live and let live? If I don't bother you, you don't bother me. With this hope that if I just ignore it, <laughs> maybe it will go away. Well, if you've ever tried that with your check engine light, you will find that does not work. It doesn't work with your car, and it doesn't work with your soul. <clears throat> if you have a problem, an oppression, a pain, that check engine light that goes on in your soul, where you do not have rest, and you do not have peace, 
It will not simply pass. Now, the teacher points this out in Ecclesiastes. He's actually holding a megaphone to oppression in this. There's a lot of oppression we experience, and he doesn't name it specifically. I'm actually, in our time together, going to name some of the oppression that we see in the world today. It could be the one out of 200 people in our world that experiences slavery of some kind. One out of 200 people in the world today. That's not just in a country. That's if you take the global population. One out of 100 people in our world today displaced from their homes because of war or famine. And it goes on. These big things we can shrink down to, things that probably affect so many of us here today. One out of three people wrestling with anxiety. That probably is here, not just out there. We just know that, that there is weight and there's things that, that lean into us that we don't necessarily know how to withstand under the pressure of. And the teacher talks about this in Ecclesiastes. This is exactly what he's naming in Ecclesiastes 4, 1 through 3, when he says this. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed. They have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressor, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen evil that is done under the sun. And in this way, the teacher raises a question, but leaves it open. The teacher actually doesn't give an answer here. He ends it quite bleakly. We're left wondering, is this actually it? How does God respond? Does God respond at all? Or are the tears of the oppressed just left to continue crying? So our big question today that we're going to try to tackle is, what is God doing about the oppression in the world? And you can think of that large scale, the one out of 200 experiencing slavery of some kind, or the very personal, very close to us oppression that we might be experiencing that causes some anxiety in our own lives. A power that seems so big that there is no comfort. The big idea today, just to give you a sneak peek as we unpack it, is that God redeems the world. I think even redeems in some way oppression by joining elevating and freeing the oppressed. Before we dive in, I thought, um, I just want to read the text again, but um, read it. I I thought the the message translation was really helpful here. Um, And this is how it reads. It says, Next I turn my attention to the outrageous violence that takes place on this planet. The tears of the victims, no one to comfort. The iron grip of oppressors, no one to rescue the victims from them. So I congratulated death, those who are already dead instead of the living who are still alive, but luckier than the dead or the living is the person who had never been, who has never seen the bad business that takes place here on earth. So to quickly unpack the um, 
the case that's being laid out by the teacher here is it starts with the first thing he observes, which is the tears of the oppressed. He sees that the world is full of oppression. And this was not just true back then, it is true now. The New York Times did a recent um, investigative journalism piece on child labor that's really skyrocketed with migrants coming in, especially um, children who have been essentially forced into labor to survive. Um, I encourage you to read it. One of the things they pointed out was the advantage that large brands are taking of these kids, whether that's Hyundai Cars, Quaker Chewy Granola Bars, um, literally them sewing Made in America onto tags of J. Crew, baking rolls for Walmart, processing milk that gets put in Ben and Jerry's ice cream, deboning chicken from Whole Foods. It was a deep dive. <clears throat> and interviewing some of these kids, this is what they say. This is what one of them says. Sometimes I get tired and feel sick, Carolina says. Her stomach hurts often, and she's unsure if that is because of lack of sleep or the stress from incessant roaring of machines or the constant worry of her family who is back in Guatemala. And she finishes her interview by simply saying, I'm getting used to it. And that, to me, was the voice we hear in Ecclesiastes 4. I saw the tears of the oppressed and there was no comforter. The second point he points to here is that power seems to be on the side of the oppressor. Not only is there tears of the oppressed, but power seems to be on their side. It is a very lucrative business to take advantage of other people. It's actually a $150 billion industry to traffic in the lives of other people. And that's big scale, but how many of us, don't worry, we're going we're gonna to get to some hopeful things in the future, just work with us through Ecclesiastes 4, 1, 2, 3. How many of us have worked in a business or even gone to a church where the leadership, the people with the most power, do not use that power for good, but end up taking advantage of other people We see it all the time. We read it all the time. We've experienced that. People who have the most power do not use it for good, but they use it to their own advantage and to the manipulation of other people. His conclusion, the teacher's conclusion is this. It's better off to be dead or to have never been born at all. And this can seem inappropriate to say. The Bible shares this from the perspective of some of the people we look at as saints. Listen to the words of Job. May the day of my birth perish and the night that I was, and the night that said a boy is conceived, that day may be turned to darkness. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Jeremiah says this. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mom bore me not be blessed. Why did I ever come out from the womb to see trouble and sorrow at the end of my days? 
Jesus, Matthew 26, says, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Ecclesiastes is helpful because it brings us to a place that we maybe are too ashamed to admit we've gone to ourselves. Is it worth it? Do I even belong here anymore? If all I feel is tears and no comfort, well, to turn the corner on this sermon, I think of the response that Jesus says in John 12 when he says, my soul is troubled. And he says this, will I say, Father, save me from this hour? And Jesus says, answering his own question, no, it was for this very reason I came. Father, glorify your name. How is that possible? That Jesus came not to show a way around trouble, but to show a way through trouble. Not to show a way around oppression, but to show a way through oppression. Because all of us living on earth will experience at some time and in some way oppression. So it would be unhelpful to have a savior that said, imagine a world without oppression. It's not what Jesus says. So this is Jesus' response. Three things. Jesus joins us in our oppression. He elevates those who are oppressed. And he shows freedom to the oppressed. The ministry of Jesus, he declares in this way in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He set the oppressed free. And he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. How does he do this? Well, the first thing he does, and it is hard to see the sovereign God do this, but this is what he does. Jesus joins our oppression When God tells us of the Savior that would come to the world, he doesn't tell us of a Savior that would go just beat up the bad guy. Right? Wouldn't that would be like that was the narrative we wanted, that's the narrative we made up. We were like, when Jesus comes, he's just gonna come with this big sword, and like it would make a great comic book, right? And he's just like taking out the bad guy. This is the way we're told Jesus would come. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before it shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. Who is the one who would come to save us? One who would be oppressed and afflicted. One who would show us a way through suffering. And that's what it says in Hebrews 2 where it says, Jesus was made like us, fully human, in order that he might become a merciful high priest in service to God. That he might make atonement for the sins of people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those 
who are being tempted. He's able to help those who are being oppressed. When you are tempted, tormented, in pain, and oppressed, Jesus is with you through that. Jesus is with you. It was foretold since they started talking, since God started talking about Jesus coming, it was foretold that Jesus would be one with us in our oppression, that he would not leave us, that he would not forsake us. That is God's first response to oppression, to be with. Not just to be outside and be like, hey, catch the life ring. No, it's to be with us there in the oppression. And then to elevate the oppressed. One of my favorite stories, and it was even made more of a favorite, watching The Chosen, the way the TV series The Chosen, the way it showed the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. If you have not watched that episode, honestly, like, I've just cried. I, like, you know, every time I start an episode, I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm just like. And for you who are like, you didn't start great. Yeah, the first, the first episode's not great, okay? But just keep going. You're going to make it through. <laughs> okay, uh, man, when you get to this, it is, it is so amazing and accurate how it represents this. That this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, and the oppression isn't just that. It's not just the impression of what that's done to her physically, but literally she is an outcast. She can't live in her village. She can't be around people because she's bleeding. She is a, a nobody and an outsider. And then she hears about Jesus. And she thinks, if I only could touch his clothes. Like she doesn't even think, she's just, it's so ingrained in her head that Jesus doesn't want to be with her, but Jesus might in some way be for her. Maybe not for her, like he wouldn't talk to her, but for her because like God's, like she's heard that God's still, like maybe she, she still has this weird hope, even though there's nothing in her whole life, there's nothing that anyone has ever said or will ever say to her in that place that would ever give her hope that Jesus would ever want her, but she's just holding on to this sliver that, man, some other people have been healed, so maybe. But she, she doesn't even try to talk to him. She's just beyond that, right? So, so she goes and she touches the edge of his clothes and Jesus' response is amazing because you know what happens when she touches his clothes? She is healed, but that's not really the end game for Jesus because she could have been healed and Jesus could have kept walking and the miracle would have been done and she would have been healed and she could have come back, lived in her home. That wasn't the healing that needed to happen fully. That is part of it. But the full healing that needed to happen for this woman was that she needed someone to speak her name and invite her to come close, right? And that is exactly what Jesus does. He says, he notices her. He invites her to come close. She's worth his time. She's worth his time in the middle of a crowd where everyone's calling for his attention. And he just gives it to her and he says to her what? He says, daughter. It's not just woman or anything. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace, and here's the word to the oppressed, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Go be freed from your oppression. Jesus joins the oppressed. Jesus elevates the oppressed. And I want you in this, I mean, it was, we're kind of 
climbing our way into the perspective of the good teacher, right? We've heard the perspective of the teacher of Ecclesiastes, and I want, I'm, I'm trying to get us to switch over to hear the perspective of the good teacher, and the perspective of the good teacher is one that redeems us better than we ever could have imagined before. Redeems that oppression in such a way <clears throat> that people can't help but notice. Now, think of this. Have you ever admired the life of somebody who only lived a life of ease, avoiding all pain and pursuing only their own pleasure? Have you ever admired someone's life like that? I don't, I don't think the answer is, I don't think you would ever go like, man, they're the model for my kids. Like, like they just avoided any uncomfortable situation. Like, like nothing ever happened to them. No, it is those who have experienced what this world has to offer, which we all will at some point, and through it, it was redeemed. Um, a woman by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and probably a lot of you know her, she came up with the, the stages of grieving, uh, well known for that, but she writes this, she says, the most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of a life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and a deep loving concern. Now, this is the way she ends it. She says, beautiful people do not just happen. Beautiful people do not just happen. You have and you will experience oppression. The life of the Christian, the life of a human, is not successful if it avoids that. It is, what are we becoming through that? And that is what Jesus does in showing us way by being with us to elevate us, calling us sons and daughters. No matter how you look at yourself, when you come to Jesus by faith, you're a son and you're a daughter of God. And in that we become something beautiful. We're becoming something beautiful. Something that maybe you don't even see, but the people around you are starting to admire. And in that is the taste of freedom. In John 10, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And I love the description of a good shepherd because I I love the way he describes it, because I honestly have no idea what shepherds are or really what they do, other than they hang out with sheep. But the way he describes it is like, I want to be his sheep. (laughs) Because this is the way he describes it. My sheep hear my voice and they know it. There are robbers and there are thieves that come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that my sheep might have life and have life to the fullest. I'm the good shepherd because I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. And I'm the good shepherd because I laid down my life for the sheep. And that's where I'm like, I'm in. Because we have a good shepherd that will not abandon or leave when things get tough. We have a good shepherd who will lay down and indeed did lay down his life on the cross for us. And that is how he ultimately frees us as the good shepherd of our souls. He doesn't just... Join us when we are oppressed. He doesn't just elevate us by calling us sons and daughters, 
but he lays down his own life for us. That is the end game of Jesus experiencing oppression himself, is that that he can show you freedom on the other side of it. Jesus transforming our lives, showing us victory, showing us that there is hope. Now, there are so many incredible examples of those who have got this, get this, and give this. This week, um, I got to hear and even experience some of those. On a global scale, I spent like an hour last night watching um, videos from International Justice Mission, which, man, if you want like a hopeful taste of this is what the people of God can do together, like making a change for some things that seem overwhelming, uh, got to watch the video of a young boy in Ghana who was rescued, a young woman in Guatemala, child, two years old who had been abused, who was rescued from the Philippines. These are stories that are so hopeful. Got to he- literally be on the phone with one of my team members from Coffee Oasis who uh, runs one of our shelters. And while we were on the phone, um, she was helping triage. We had a young woman come in who came in with cuts all over her body, self-inflicted cuts. And while she was on the, it was like, she had no idea how much the phone call meant to me just being someone listening to what she sees every day, right? She was like, yeah, the antibiotic cream's over there. Just make sure you get gloves on, right? And she's like, do we need to call the police? You know, she's like navigating the situation, right? Like making sure the other staff are there to care for this young person and be there for them during this time of such affliction, such oppression that they are harming themselves. This young individual is sent to us from a children's hospital because they couldn't keep this child any longer. So where did they go? They went to Coffee Oasis Shelter, right? And so they're just, how do we provide that place? Man, what a story of helping be with, in the name of Jesus, be with those in oppression, right? Um, <clears throat> Melody didn't know I was going to say this, but the Steinle family is going down to Ecuador to take video um, of a good friend of theirs, Chio, who her life is a story of doing justice. Her life is a story of trying to help this community. And Melody, I should have just had you share it because I'm going to butcher it. But this, these communities that literally were gathered um, <clears throat> because of the slave trade. And, and so they don't have like identification cards. They can't vote or they can't apply for any government help or anything. Like, so the Simley family is using their own dime to go down and make a video to promote this to local authorities and so they will notice these communities. These communities that have been forgotten. These communities that you have to take boats to go to. Right? It's amazing. These stories of not just waiting but going to the oppressed. Being with the oppressed. And the answer for each of these stories, the why behind it, is because, well, Jesus has freed us. Jesus has been with us. Jesus has helped see us through it. And these incredible beauties come from it. And when I share each of these stories, the one especially I'm close to, the Coffee Oasis story, and I know this timely story, is not one, they don't see themselves as beautiful for doing it. But you hear it and you're like, I admire that. (laughs) Wow. How do we all get on board? How do we like emulate that? How do we share in that? So, do you know someone who's oppressed or are you going through oppression yourself? 
have you ended with Ecclesiastes 4, 1 through 3? Because that, that story of the teacher needs to find its way to the story of the good teacher, Jesus. And the story of the good teacher, Jesus, is one where he joins you in your oppression. He elevates you, calling you daughter and son, saying you were made in the image of God. Remember that. Remember. Remember whose you are. And we have a good shepherd who has, not just will, but who has laid down his life for you. So what is God doing about oppression? He is joining the oppressed. He is elevating, remembering who you are. And he is inviting us to experience his freedom. So let's go out and help others experience that too. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. God, we, um, we do get overwhelmed by how immense the pain is uh, around us and sometimes even that pain we see within us. God, help us see Jesus here and now. That Easter wasn't just something that happened thousands of years ago, but like the Easter story is today. Like forgiveness that's in Jesus, the life everlasting, the conquering of the grave. And that, <laughs> that truth would just, man, just uh, elevate our lives. As we're called sons and daughters, we go, man, we want other people to hear the voice of the good shepherd. We want them to know that Jesus is for them, not against them. He's, he's inviting them to experience his life. God, help us be a part of that. We do pray your blessing on the Stanley family as they go to Ecuador. Um, some of them are already down there in Ecuador. Um, that you will make that video just blessed and that it will, it will make huge impact. I do pray for my team here at Coffeeo. It's daily seeing young people through oppression. God, you strengthen the work of their hand. We'll see miracles. God, we'll see real freedom. And for so many of us who are carrying pain, um, carrying oppression, it could even just be the voice inside our own head that is just discouraging us. It could be a bad boss or just a challenging relationship. You will never leave us or forsake us. I pray that we will rest in you. We'll accept your invitation to come to you and rest in you. Show us how. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we are going to worship in a couple ways. We're going to worship through prayer. Um, if you'd like to be prayed for, I really encourage you, if you are wrestling with something that you don't know how to pray for yourself, please I invite you to go have Ibrahim, who's right over here, pray for you. Um, we're going to worship together. Sometimes it gives us words that we don't know how to say ourselves it allows us to express that to God, so please worship with us. And then take communion, which is remembering Jesus' sacrifice, his laying down of his own life, giving of his body, and the giving of his own blood that we could experience freedom in his name. So um, if you put your faith in him, we invite you to take that together with us also.